What's going on, guys? Welcome to Clear Out. I'm your host, Nihal Qatar, and as always, I am joined by my brother, Sahil. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Excited to talk some basketball. Me too. Before we get into that, make sure you contact us at uh, clearoutpodcast at gmail.com and on Twitter at clearoutpodcast. Make sure you send in some questions, comments. We want some interaction. Uh, we actually got one question today, so we'll be addressing that at the end. But before that, we are going to be talking more about some off-season moves that we liked and didn't like. Um, so why don't you get get us started off, Sahil? What, what is a move? What is another move that you liked? So one move that I really liked, actually, was Al Horford to the Celtics. I thought he had actually a pretty good season last year for OKC when he was playing. A little weird how they were like openly tanking and just didn't even try to play him near the end of the year. But his assist percentages are absolutely ridiculous and have been his entire career, um, especially amongst bigs. And playmaking is exactly what the Celtics need, I think. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, really like them as players, really good scorers, good defenders, but they do lack a little bit of that playmaking instinct, and I think Al Horford can really help with that. And I like that he's versatile in the sense that he can play the four or the five. He's been playing a lot of five uh, in the past few years. But the last two seasons, he shot around 40% of his shots from three. So I think he's also going to kind of embrace that complementary role. He's going to, you know, he's going to take his open threes. He's going to help facilitate. But, you know, he's not, he's a player that can fit well around other stars like, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And um, OKC's defense was seven points per possessions better with him on the floor last year, which is crazy good. <laughs> like, and that's really why they struggled a lot when he, when he wasn't there near the end of the year, which helps them tank, I guess. But I really do love a closing lineup of Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford. Yeah, I, I, the Celtics have had an interesting offseason, I would say. Um, you know, I, I, I do like the addition of Al Horford. I think, especially, you know, not only did they add Al Horford, they got off the Kemba Walker contract, which is right. huge. Um, and Al Horford, you know, Tristan Thompson just wasn't getting it done last year. They definitely needed that presence in the paint. Uh, that could also stretch the floor a little bit. So I think... You know, this will be really helpful for, as you said, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, they also added Josh Richardson, which Josh Richardson is a weird player because he seems so much better in theory. I feel like we say that we've been saying that a lot, but he seems so much better in theory than he has been the last couple of years. Really, since he sort of came on the scene with Miami, he hasn't been nearly the player yeah. we thought he was going to be. So, uh, but I do, I do like him as uh, you know someone who ha can come off the bench and doesn't have to be in your best lineup. I think he could really thrive in that role. Um, and they also, they added Chris Dunn as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's been a decent off season for them, I guess. Um, and I, I mean, I still don't think they're going to be that great this year. I, maybe the fourth seed um, or the fifth seed, but I think they made good moves. I, I think they made the moves that they need to make, especially getting off the Kemba contract. Yeah, I, I like the Josh Richardson move, too, actually. Like, I think he had a really rough year last year. It was, it was his worst three-point shooting year, so I, I expect that to go a little bit up. Remember remember at the beginning of, of the season last year where, like, the Mavericks could just not hit a three? For Josh Richardson, that, that kind of lasted the entire season. But he'll also need to be a, better, a bit better defensively. I think people forget that he did have COVID last year, so at the beginning of last season. So I think that did affect him, and he was never the same player. Kind of really derailed his season there. But, yeah, I agree. I think it could be useful in a lot of bench lineups. Um, maybe even crunch time in some games. Um, and I do think, yeah, Al Horford's interesting because I, I, a, lot, a lot of Celtics fans love Robert Williams, and I think, honestly, just with the way that Al Horford can play on the perimeter, can shoot the three, 
can even guard certain fours, like like bigger fours, I think. Um, like, he really, even though he's, what, 34 or something like that, he really can still move his feet. So I think there could even be some huge lineups where they could play uh, Horford and Robert Williams together. So that'll be interesting to see. What do you think of their decision not to keep Evan Fournier? You think that was the right move? Yeah, I'm not... I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I, I, yeah, I'm not really... I mean, what did what did Fournier end up getting? He got four, four, 78, uh, four years, 78 million. I I just don't think... I honestly don't... If Even if Fournier was on the team, do you think he would be in their best lineup or in their crunch time lineup? I don't. I, I, I kind of get, you know, if you want to go deep into the tax, if you want to go into the tax, I wait. I get waiting until this, this nucleus grows a little bit more together. I guess, but how much how much time do they have? I, I mean, the, well, I mean, Tatum and Brown signed their extensions. That's true. I mean, but at some point, the, the fans are going to start demanding results, aren't they? I mean, maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I guess you know. The other thing was that they hired a new head coach, so that'll be interesting to see um, how he does. Right. And uh, yeah, a lot yeah. a lot of people have said very good things about Ime Udoka. He's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, just very well liked by a lot of players and uh, staff around the league. So um, that'll be exciting. I mean, it, I'm, obviously we can address this quickly now. Yeah, it was a little bit weird to see Brad Stevens move um, into that front office role, but we'll see. I think he did a pretty good job for his first summer. But yeah, I think he did, he did a decent job. Yeah, I I think I sort of disagree with you. I mean, I mean, I don't disagree with you that they'll that they'll only be the fourth seed or that like I don't think they'll necessarily be higher than the fourth seed. But I think this, I just think this team has some really good players. I think that they've got a lot of players that can play well on on both ends now. I like some of the moves they made. I think Jason Tatum is just a, a better, you know, becoming a better playmaker away from being, you know, like a, a close to a top 10 player in the NBA. And I think that, you know, he, had, he got COVID last year. That derailed his season. In the playoffs, you know, they took Brooklyn to five, but Robert Williams, Jalen Brown was out. Robert Williams was in and out of the lineup. I think Marcus Smart was too. So they, they had a really weird season last year, and I think a lot of teams did. So I think Boston, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before last year. So I expect, you know, and I, but the conference has gotten better since then, so I'm not saying that they'll get back there. But it's all about, you know, Jason Tatum becoming that A1 star they need him to be. And I, and I, I think that one A star, I should guess. Or maybe one B. You know, he doesn't need to be one A because they have they have they have other players around him. But um, I think that if he can make those steps, that'll be the most important thing for them this season. Uh, look, I think if you're gonna say the Celtics unperformed underperformed because it was a weird season last year, and then cite them being in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before, I mean that was even weirder of a season. Right, right. So uh, I, I don't know. They also made the Eastern Conference Finals four years ago, I think. Four or five years ago, in that in that Tatum and Brown rookie season. Sure, and, and who did they have? Three players that from that roster. I mean, or four? They have four players. Pretty important players, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's true. I I love Jalen Brown, uh, and I really like Jason Tatum too. I, I don't. I think I they they do need a primary playmaker, in my opinion, unless Jason Tatum is going to improve, which it's possible. And I don't think Al Horford is going to cut it uh, in terms of yeah. making them a championship contender. Uh, and, and Marcus neither, neither Smart's a, a good passer, but you know you don't want him dribbling around and initiating the offense a lot too much. So right, 
Right. I mean, Kyrie leaving really did screw this team over. Because if they uh, if they had Kyrie for the past two years, I think they would have been maybe the best team in the East. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting offseason. You know, another team that I'm excited to see how it all comes together during the season. But let's move on to... You know what? Why don't we start with a, a negative for me? So, I kind of want to talk about the Cavs. Um, so the Cavs traded for sign. They they traded for Larry Markkinen in a sign and trade, um, and he got four years, sixty seven million dollars, I believe. And I think there are some incentives on that, but it's still a big contract. But yeah, it's a big contract. Um, th- I mean, they also they traded a, a second round pick. Uh, Cleveland did, and they and they got rid of Larry Nance in the trade as well. So I, I'm not a huge fan of this trade. I, I actually, I quite like Larry Nance. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Larry Nance really liked being in Cleveland. Uh, and I, I don't know if you listened to him on the Low Post about a month ago, I think. I did, yeah. Uh, I mean, he just seemed to really love Cleveland. And, and I guess that this doesn't really matter. But for me, I wanted to see him stay in Cleveland. And I think, you know, he's, he's a good, he's a decent two-way wing, um, honestly. Uh, he's not going to set the world on fire, but Lowry Markinen, adding Lowry Markinen is just odd to me. You know, he's someone who I was really high on during his first year, but he can be a defensive liability. I do think he's a little bit underrated on defense, honestly. I think a lot of European big men are, but he's not a good defender by any stretch of the imagination. And he just hasn't been pre- been performing on the other end of the floor. He hasn't developed, I should say, on the other end of the floor as much as we thought he would. So it's just a puzzling trade for me, especially when you consider they have two centers. They have Evan Mobley and uh, Jared Allen, and they also have Kevin Love on the roster. And Woj repeated, or reported this week that Kevin Love did not want to accept a buyout. So if they have Kevin Love on the roster, I just, where does he fit in? Where does he fit yeah. in with this team? He can stretch the floor, I guess. And I mean, he's a, he's a big, he's a big that can stretch the floor, which I, maybe you can argue helps with helps Mobley and or Jared Allen but it's puzzling to me and the other thing the other implication from this trade is it puts them right up against the hard cap and they're, <laughs> they're not good enough to be against the hard cap I mean to have such little flexibility I think it's really just it's it's puzzling I've said that like three times about multiple things but it's just puzzling what do you, what do you think about this move yeah, I mean, first off, I, I do really like Larry Nance, and I think getting rid of him, I just, I don't, I don't completely understand it. I mean, he's a solid defender, even a playmaker defensively, can play the four and the five, um, and mostly the four, actually, but he um, is also a good shooter. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have just good players, you know? I, I don't think just because, you know, you're drafting Evan Mobley, Garland and Sexton are young. I don't think it's a bad thing to have, you know, an established vet who's been there in playoff games and be able to contribute. I don't think, and I, I, I marketing has been, I think one of the more disappointing players over the last few years. And I, I just think, you know, Mobley, I know he's a great defender, but I don't know if he's going to be able to compensate for like lineups with marketing Sexton Garland, you know, it's going to be difficult. And I, I am just not super high on on marketing, and I guess that's kind of what it comes down to. And I, and I like Larry Nance, so I wasn't a huge fan of this move. I don't, I don't, I don't um, think it's gonna you know cost them a tremendous amount. Maybe it's worth the gamble because they're not going to be a great team anyway. But the way I was looking at it is like Garland and Sexton, you know, they've played they've played in the league a few years now. 
Like, I thought that they could maybe try to win some games this year, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. And and the wing is where they're weak. I mean, you have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, who are two, I mean, are two, frankly, ball-dominant guards. And then you trade for Ricky Rubio, another ball-dominant guard. So you have those three. And then you have Kevin Love, Jared Allen, like I said, um, and uh, Evan Mobley, and now Lowry Markinen. So who are your wing players? I mean, you, you have, have Isaac Chetty Okoro. Husband. Yeah, yeah, you have Isaac Okoro, who we'll, we'll see how he develops. Um, but other than Isaac Okoro and Chetty Osman, there are really no wing options on this roster, unless you want to include Damian Dotson, who, I, I mean, I don't know. I That's not really, I guess they're not a good team, but that's not <laughs> going to cut it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just so baffling to me. And like I said, they are up against the hard cap, so they don't have a lot of flexibility after this because of the sign-and-trade. So they can't even, you know... It's going to be hard for them to even extend some of these players. Well, well I, I don't know exactly what the implication is after this season, but right now, um, they're pretty strapped. So, man. I wonder if they'll I, look to move one of Garland or Sexton at some point to get a wing or something like that. I... But, I mean, that that might be their only option. Or maybe they just were banking on the fact that they were going to buy out Kevin Love. Um, yeah. Or be able to trade him. But I don't. no one's going to trade for Kevin Love. A so. contender should should not trade for Kevin Love. That's that. I agree. <laughs> At this point. I, he could be a nice piece if you sign him in the buyout market, but I... I right. Yeah, Giving up actual for assets for Kevin Love in 2021. I, I know that he'll probably be more motivated elsewhere, but I just don't think... I don't think... Um, it's going to cut it. I think defense at that at that position is even more important than it was when he was on those uh, contending teams now, and he, he's lost his step as well, so. Yeah, I I don't know, man. You know, I mean, we're not NBA GMs, but I, I just, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of front offices are motivated to make changes just to make changes, to say that they are doing something to move the team forward when in reality just sticking with what you have might be the best option even if you're not going to be a contender right now so right like there's a lot of variance on this roster already like will Evan Mobley be a great offensive player or will he just be a great defensive player you know are Garland and Sexton going to round out their game and become consistent and keep their you know keep their turnovers down and things like that like you don't need to throw you can you can keep really like your one stable good player who's going to give you night to night contributions you know you don't need to just that, that yeah yeah <laughs> i mean um, unless they can package like jared allen and one of their young guards for like a really good player i i, I just don't see what what they can do to to make this roster make sense i cuz i did, really did like the ricky rubio pickup i thought that was um i mean i, I thought it was a decent pick up i mean it's not it's not something that's going to move the needle a, a whole lot but again i well even ricky rubio i just the team doesn't make sense yeah i mean the sense. best case for rubio is that maybe you know um he can kind of uh mentor maybe uh just some of those tra- for for colin sexton or, or darius garland you know get their assists up and their turnovers down just kind of those traditional point guard things that i think they probably need to groom a little bit but (laughs) i don't think he's gonna be playing you know many crunch time minutes or anything like that 
Yeah. Uh, maybe he will, though. I mean, I, I guess you probably have to play Sexton and Garland. Are they? Are these? Is this team even going to be in crunch time? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> um, this is true. Uh, so, but I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess other side is just, what if Markkanen is just really good? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they see something in him. Maybe he turns out to, to be a great player by the time he's Larry Nance's age, but it, it is, a, it is a little bit of a, a hat scratcher, but, um, hopefully that I like, I like Laurie Markkanen. I thought he could have been a real nice piece for a different team. Yeah. Like, he just, he does not make sense on this team, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that's fair. All right, why don't we move on to the next one you got? Um, I'm going to go... Okay, I, 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 think, I think I'm ready. I think, are we ready to have our New York Knicks discussion? Because I, I, I'm, I'm quite confused on this one. But, I'm never ready for that discussion, but sure. <laughs> but they paid Evan Fournier, Taj Gibson, Alec Burks, Derek Rose, Nerlens Noel, Julius Randle, might even be forgetting one in there. And they went all in on a team that wasn't that good last year. And probably overperformed expectations. They did add a Fournier, so that's like the upgrade. But I, I think I'm leaning just negative on this approach. I think maybe not on the approach, because I don't know what you do. Like there aren't good free agents. Everyone's signing extensions. That's that's the thing that all the players are doing now, especially the really good players and the stars. You're not going to be able to get a player in free agency. So what else do you do? Do you just not sign players, have a bunch of cap space, and do nothing with it? Like I don't know what you do. But what I do think is that this is not, they're not going to be as good as, as last year. I def- definitely think they're going to regress. And I have some reasons for why, but we can get into that in a second. Like, what, what, are, you, what are your first thoughts on this? Well, I think they're going to regress purely because the East got better and they didn't really. Um, I, I mean, Evan Fournier is um, nice. Oh, they got Kemba Walker, too. Which Ah, you're right. Uh, you're right. That is a key so- addition. But, I mean, he hasn't shown much <laughs> recently, so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do like some of the young players. I do like Emmanuel quickly. Um, Mitchell Robinson is a, is another interesting player uh, who hasn't quite put it together, but who could be a decent player. I mean, I really like the Julius Randle contract. I think that's a really good contract for a player of his caliber. Um, and honestly, the Evan Fournier deal is... So, I mean, according to, to, to what's been reported... It's a $73 million deal, but $54 million is guaranteed, um, which makes the deal a lot more palatable, in my opinion. Okay. Obviously, we yeah. don't know what those incentives are, but... You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't love that the, the NBA is becoming more like the NFL, where I have to like actually read the, the, <laughs> the description of these contracts now. <laughs> right. I mean, according, you know, according to this, um, the, the, on the Derrick Rose deal, only $27 million is guaranteed as well. So, yeah. if, if those play, maybe maybe they sign these players and are like, well, we have to make the playoffs again this season, but there's there's stuff in those contracts that allows them to get out of the contract um, and have that cap space in the future. And if that's the case, then I'm more okay with it. Uh, if we're talking about, if we're, if we're under the assumption that these players are going to play out their contracts, then yeah, I agree. It doesn't make sense. I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, that's so that's I, totally fair. Yeah, but I am I am worried if I'm worried about Knicks fans who think they're going to improve. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this. I think Tom Thibodeau's voice will wane as it usually always does, especially for better players sometimes. And it's not necessarily the optimal approach to play your players tons of minutes in the regular season, like playing Julius Randle 37 minutes a game last year. Not really a huge fan of that approach. 
And um, I, I, here's where, okay, this is, this is going to be my, my most takey thing. Probably I'm going to say in this episode, but I think maybe it's not, but I think Julius Randle had the best season of his career last year. I don't think he's going to have a better season than that. Um, it's not a bad thing. I don't think... I don't think that's a hot take. I, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like, I just don't see him shooting above 40% on threes and 44% on long twos. Like, I feel like when you watch Knicks games, it felt like he was just draining these looks that weren't great looks. He wasn't always able to create amazing separation. I mean, but not in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. But he was getting the same looks, and he just, he just he wasn't able to knock them down because I don't think that, you know, his form just looks a little bit iffy to me. I mean, I don't know that much about form, but... It's just, we know Julius Randle. Like, he's not supposed to be this elite jump shooter, and that's what he was playing like last year. So, I just, and, I mean, you know, the foundation of what some of their success in the regular season was the growth he made as a passer and lead playmaker, but I don't I don't necessarily know if I want the ball in his hands with, like, at the end of game, at the end of playoff games, just, so. Well, I, but I think that's part of the reason why they added Kevin for sure, Walker for sure. and Fournier. For sure. I mean, those are those are players who can have the ball. I mean, when you look at their roster, they have they have quite a few guys who can who can handle the ball. They have Fournier, Walker, uh, and Derrick Rose, and R.J. Barrett. I mean, I think those are all guys sure. that look, I would rather look, have the ball in their hands. This could be partly because Julius Randle made the All Star team over over Chris Middleton, and he did <laughs> he did end up having a better season. But at that point, when those votes were cast, I'm pretty sure it was pretty even, and I would defer to Chris Middleton anyway. <laughs> well, no, it, it reminds me a little bit of when D'Angelo Russell made the All-Star game, and all of a sudden everyone thought D'Angelo Russell was actually good. When, I mean, to be fair, Julius Randle had a much better season than, than D'Angelo Russell did that year. But And Julius Randle's a good player, for sure. Right, right. Julius Randle's a good player. Whereas it's D'Angelo Russell, TBD on that. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, Julius Randle's not, just not a perennial All-Star, in my opinion, so... Yeah, um, he's not a second-team All-NBA, which is what he made last year. And I, so, so yeah, I, I still think he made a lot of growth last year, and that progress is important as, as a lead playmaker and passer. And he's definitely a lot better than I would have ever expected him to be two years ago after seeing the beginning of his career. But I do think that's going to be his best season of his career last season. And that's not a bad thing. He's still a great player, not All-NBA caliber. And sure, um, I do think that's going to be a big thing... Uh, to, to watch out for this next coming right. year. I mean, this team has a lot of nice role players. They just don't really have a star. Um, so uh, the the I agree with you. I think the Knicks are going to regress. I think they'll be in the bottom of the playoff uh, race in the East. Uh, probably like 7th or 8th seed. That's where I would peg him right now. But, I mean, I think, you know, Knicks fans, they could make the argument that, you know, if R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel quickly make jumps then maybe the team could be better i just don't think that'll be enough to have them higher than the fifth or sixth seed in the east so yeah ultimately i agree with you i guess yeah we should give rj barrett a shout out he he did definitely make some big strides last season and i didn't expect that necessarily um he did the the ringer i think the ringer did a great video on his shooting form and how he improved it last year to be more consistent so um i'll have to check that out I think it's. I think it was the ringer. I'm sorry if it's not. Um, all right, let's go on to my next move, uh, and this is one that I liked, and this is Patty Mills to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, FIBA Patty is headed to Brooklyn. I think this is a really, really nice move. Anyone who got Patty Mills, I think, would have benefited greatly. But I think, for me, it's not about 
necessarily what Patty's going to add in the playoffs, which I think he will be nice in the playoffs. I think it's what he's going to be able to add in the regular season. Obviously, if Kyrie and James Harden are healthy in the playoffs, like they are going to be, and Kevin Durant, those are the three guys who are going to have the ball in their hands for all 48 minutes of the game, yeah. essentially. But I think with Harden and Kyrie coming off of injuries and you wanting them to ease their way through the regular season, having Patty Mills as an option uh, to be your lead guard, um, you know, and, and for, for 25, 26 minutes a game, I think is going to be really helpful for the Nets and allow them to, you know, maybe get the first seed. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Brooklyn can get the first seed. They have maybe the best roster in the league. But, you know, it seems like this year they're not going to play their players a whole lot. So they might, it might be like this year where they don't get, where they don't grab the first seed. Um, but I do think Patty Mills will be really helpful. He's, he's a great shooter. He's a good playmaker. Uh, and, you know, he's not someone who necessarily is going to want the spotlight in terms of being the guy. And last year we saw, and if Kyrie or James Harden do go down again, I mean, they're not, they don't, well, Kyrie doesn't have the greatest track record of staying healthy. It's better to have an option that's not Mike James in the in the playoffs and be able and not have to have Kevin Durant initiate your offense for forty for literally forty eight minutes um, in the playoffs. So I just think it's a really shrewd pickup. I I did you know I wasn't a huge fan of them not retaining Jeff Green. Um, they did get they did get Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown back, so maybe they felt like Jeff Green was a luxury. But I do think Jeff Green made a lot more sense than Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown, honestly. So what, what are your thoughts on the Nets? I, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And that's a great point that I was not thinking about. I mean, I think not only made a need, you know, to spare Kyrie and well, okay. Not only may they feel like sparing Kyrie and Harden some minutes, they're going to need to, because you know, these guys are aging and they don't want they don't want what happened last year to happen again, and I think Patty Mills is going to do an excellent job shouldering the offense when he has to, and is also capable of, you know, of course, hitting catch-and-shoot threes, and you can do some dribble handoff stuff with him, run him off ball, and that's that stuff's going to be very annoying to guard if you also have Kevin Durant and Joe Harris or whoever on the floor as well. So they're, they're going to have a really dynamic um, dynamic offense uh, if they can put Patty Mills out there in those lineups, as, Patty Mills out there in those lineups as well, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that was probably one of my favorite mid-level moves. I think very little downside to that. I think he's going to add a veteran presence. He's going to add some stability, and I think uh, he can just get buckets for you if that's what you need him to do, and I think he can win a, some regular season games by doing that. Absolutely. And, and just to you know round out what, what the Nets did, they added Javon Carter, James Johnson, and DeAndre Brembry, who are players who aren't going to play in the playoffs, but who, again, I think could be useful in the in the regular season. So... What is your la- last one, right? This is the last one coming up? Yeah, I really did like your Landry Magic draft. Um, I like Jalen Suggs a lot, Yeah, the guard from Gonzaga. From the film I've watched, he's a really good scorer. Actually, not a really good scorer. I'll say good scorer. Has a great vertical. Um, he's He has he has this ability and willingness to just make winning plays and make great passes. Like Some of his transition passes are just absolutely insane. And he, I think he's the potential to be a really, really good defender. Like, the effort was definitely there in Summer League. And I, I think, you know, you'd like to see the shot-making and efficiency tick up, but he's got some tools that are really, really hard to develop and teach. So um, 
yeah, he did sustain that thumb injury uh, in Summer League. He was averaging 15-6, 2-2. He was playing pretty well in Summer League before he sustained that thumb injury, and I think he's going to be a great player. Um, And I do like their Franz Wagner pick as well. 6'9 forward, brother of Mo Wagner. Super quick and uh, very quick for his size and super switchable on defense. And he's pretty versatile on offense. And I think his shooting has gotten better too in his time at Michigan. And I can definitely see him in a closing lineup in a few years ago, in a few years or two. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I am a big fan of the Magic right now. I think if you're a Magic fan, it, you have you have something to look forward to. You know, when they traded away Aaron Gordon and Vucevic and Fournier, I got it because those players just, I mean, what were you going to do? Stay at the eighth seed every year in the East? Like, you had to move on from those players. So being able to get Jalen Suggs, who I honestly thought could have been a top two pick in this draft, um, but, you know, he fell to five, which is great for them. And uh, Franz Wagner, uh, really nice long shooter, like you said. Um you're getting Jonathan Isaac back from injury. You know, I think Wendell Carter, I, I'm waiting for him to actually live up to my expectations, but I, I think it's definitely possible for him to do that. And you, you have some young players. I mean, you, you have Cole Anthony um, and Markel Fultz as well. If, if any of those guys really pan out, I think they're in a decent position going forward, and they have a lot of tradable players and contracts that they could quickly improve if they needed to. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm a big fan of what they did. They also signed Mo Wagner. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I did. But, I did realize uh, that <laughs> as I was researching this. I must have missed that one when it actually happened. But uh, yeah, no, for sure. They have a ton of interesting players. Uh, I And it's exactly like you said. It's like they don't need every one of these guys to hit. Obviously, like they probably will not all hit. But if they can just, they can afford to have some of these guys, you know, underperform and they could still have a really good team down the road and put these guys into trade packages if they want to consolidate and get a get a, a star or a star-like um, player at some point. So, yeah, I just thought it was very honest decision-making from Orlando last year, letting go of Vucevic and Gordon, understanding that that team would never, you know, get out of the first round of the playoffs or anything like that. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I kind of I, I like the direction that this team is headed, and I'm really, I'm honestly really excited to watch them just to see all these young players. They're probably not going to win many games. They, will, they won't, but... I'm excited to watch a lot of these young players try to try to figure it out together over the next few years. Absolutely. All right. So that is the end of our sort of off-season series, at least making taking a look at specific moves. Like Sahil said, we are going to be getting into each individual team as a whole. But we did get a question today, so we're going to finish off with that. This question comes from Anu. Anu asks or says, Lamar has been called the Giannis of the NFL. Thoughts on the comparison and compare their career trajectories. So I thought this was a really interesting question. Um, I, we're not an NFL podcast, but we do follow football and, and we enjoy it. Um, we're big Packers fans. So I, I'll, I'll throw it to you first before I give my thoughts. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean my, my, first, my first response at this point, I think, would just be, I think since Giannis won this championship, that and just played the way he did down the stretch, even showed a lot of versatility in his game. You know, was I think I saw some of these days where he was, like, shooting, like, 44% at long, from long twos in the playoffs. Just really, was really rounded out his game nicely and became a di- really dynamic offensive player, which was the knock on him, right? That he could only play kind of one way, and defenses could scheme for him, and he would 
still be very good, but not be that transcendent superstar. And I think he he's dispelled with that of that notion. But and I think Lamar Jackson. I mean, I I, I <laughs> again, I'm not you know an expert on what he's done in the playoffs, but he did win his first playoff game last year, correct? And I, I don't remember how well he played in that game, but um, I still do think that his I like the comparison in the sense that, you know, they have interesting play styles, really, like, um, unprecedented play styles, and it's really hard to, like, comp anyone to them or anyone or teach anyone to try to do what they do because of their, their athletic tools and just, you know, the way they, they read the game as well. But um, I do think that Lamar, at this point, he could have, like, a Giannis-type arc, but I don't think that... I, 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 don't, I, I don't see it happening... Mostly because I do think that just I think that passing is just so integral to playoff success, playoff success, and I think that Lamar Jackson is a good passer, but not like I mean I guess you, now that I'm talking myself about this, you could have said that about jump shooting or three point shooting or something for Giannis too. So I don't know. I, I basically I think that Giannis. You know, he, he he fulfills his goal. He won a championship, won finals MVP. So he can't be compared to, like, you know, uh, a player who hasn't really proven it that much in the playoffs and still has questions to be answered. But I'm not really sure if Lamar Jackson can do the same thing. I don't know. Do you? I My first response was, I, I mean, I texted you this when we got this question, was basically what you said, you know, Giannis won a championship but I think it's important to remember that Lamar is in his fourth year this year I mean he's going into his fourth year as, as an NFL player and he barely played in his first year so I think I think what maybe Anu is asking is about their trajectories I do think Giannis right now is on the track it's on track to be a top 10 at least NBA player in the history of the game I don't think Lamar is quite there yet in terms, I don't think he's on the track to being a top five quarterback or a top ten quarterback uh, in football yet. Well, like you said, he, yeah. he has unprecedented talent. Um, you know, and it does sound a lot like if Jan, you, and I get the I get it from the standpoint that both are perceived to have limitations to their game. Um, I think the whole you know winning a playoff game in the NFL like that's a little that's not easy to do. Um, you know, it's I feel like. You know, there's a lot of players that don't win playoff games. A lot of quarterbacks that don't win most of their play- playoff games, honestly. So, and I think just generally scrutin- scrutiny on one player is usually more justified in the NBA because there's, there's only five players, <laughs> like play. <laughs> right, right. Well, in in the 2019 2020 season, his first postseason, um, he, or not his first postseason, his MVP season. I mean, he did he did contribute a lot to that loss to the Titans in, in, in the divisional round. But, I mean, I, look, they're both super exciting players. They're both so much fun to watch. Like you said, it sounds like Giannis, if he can add a three-pointer. I think, yeah, I think Lamar's limitations need to be, are more important in terms of his position than Giannis's. Giannis has been able to sort of transcend his limitations. Lamar has in a lot of ways i mean he's won and he won an mvp uh he was part of a 14 um win team two years ago they won 11 games last year so 
if if Lamar can continue to do this and that does translate to winning, then I agree with you. Then then at that point they're they're more comparable. Um, but I think that's enough, that's enough football talk. But I I think I mean I thought it was an interesting question uh, in terms of and and you know I I actually had not heard Lamar being called the Giannis of the NFL. Um, so I thought that was an interesting point, I guess, um, in terms of comparing comparing those players. Uh, but I'm excited to watch both this season. I think uh, the Ravens have a, another chance to be good, and the Bucks have a have a chance to repeat. I think part part of the reason the Giannis ended up going through this last arc and you know creating you know really completing the evolution of his game was that the Bucks. You know, first of all, weren't as good in the regular season, so they had to try different things, and they also just needed to try different things because they failed in the playoffs before. But maybe it's a similar thing where you know the Bucks they sacrificed some some regular season wins to try out new things and redesign their offense, and maybe you know like that fourteen win season, that Lamar MVP season. I'm assuming that they were front running in most of those regular season games, so like you could just keep running and running and running, or like I'm oversimplifying it, I'm sure, but like. You know what I mean? But then now that, you know, he's, they're going through more struggles in the regular season that he will be forced to play and practice different ways before he gets to that playoffs like Giannis did during the 2020 regular season. Well, actually, you reminded me of something that I wanted to say is for me right now, it's hard to separate Lamar's limit- limitations from Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator's limitations. There just hasn't there hasn't been much evolution in their offense. Yes, Lamar sh- sometimes struggles throwing to um, the sides of the field. Um, but I think that's stuff he can improve on. I think he's a very talented passer. Lamar came out during the season last year and have basically said, have and basically said in multiple press conferences that other teams have figured their offense out. Um, and you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown, their number one receiver last year, said the same thing and that they weren't calling the right plays. So it'll be interesting to see if Greg Roman can improve and if he doesn't, what Lamar does with a with maybe a more innovative offensive coordinator you know Greg Roman you have to give him a lot of credit he did a great job in building his offense around Lamar Jackson but there just hasn't been that evolution they did add some nice pieces they drafted a really good receiver that who I like uh who I wanted the Packers to draft but now we are definitely veering into NFL conversation so um we are going to end it there uh if you do want your question to be answered make sure like i said at the top of the show to email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com make sure you go follow us at clearoutpodcast on twitter dm us uh add us email us let us know what you think about uh the off season what are about our thoughts and um even about lamar jackson and Giannis. we're interested to see what you guys think all right man we're gonna get out of here until next time